Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Indeed, God has given us a beautiful gift from Miss Ginger and the beautiful music that she plays. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew as we, we get back to our, our study through the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 21. And beginning at verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Let's pray, please. Again, Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord 
Jesus, and we ask that you be our teacher. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit, through your word, for the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus, and to the growth and the maturing of your children. We pray that as your children, we'll grow in our understanding of what it means to be a child of the King. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, getting back here to the Gospel of Matthew, previous weeks we looked at the Lord's entry into Jerusalem. And as he, as he approached Jerusalem, on Palm Sunday, they began to, to worship him. And the palm branches and the other tree branches were laid on the roadside. And they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as the Lord enters into Jerusalem, he eventually makes his way to the temple, the temple of God. Now the Lord's house was, was and is, as I have there, important to Jesus. You'll recall that when he was a young boy, that he had gone up with his family to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And they had left and were on their way back home to Nazareth, and he stayed behind for three days. And so Mary and Joseph went to, to find him. And where did they locate him? They found him, the temple. And uh, they were more than a bit startled, but he said to them, you know, why did you go searching, basically? You should have known that I would be in my father's house, that I would be about my father's business. The temple was very important to Jesus, the house of God. Now, when he comes to the temple here in this particular passage, what does he find as he enters the temple? <laughs> business is booming, right? Everybody likes that when business is booming. except he didn't care for it. Now, he wasn't against the people exchanging the money or selling the doves and the sheep and the goats, etc. But what he was against was their dishonesty. The Lord drives out those who bought and sold the money changers and those who sold the doves. You see, what they had begun doing was taking advantage of this particular situation. This was Passover week there in Jerusalem, and so people had come from all across Israel and even beyond the borders of Israel to celebrate the Passover. 
And in celebrating the Passover, they would slaughter a lamb. But if they were poor and couldn't afford to purchase a lamb, they would then sacrifice a dove. But what these merchants were doing, they were scalping the people. They were taking advantage of the situation. And they wouldn't allow the Roman coins or the Greek coins or any other coins to be used in the temple. So they would exchange that money, but then they would also do it at a premium cost. They were like the publicans or the, the tax collectors who were Jewish but had entered into an agreement with the Romans to extort money from their fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. Now this took place in, the, in what is referred to as the, the court of the Gentiles. You see, because the temple proper had the holy place where the priests did their service, and the most holy place or the holy of holies, which only the high priest could go into one time a year on the Day of Atonement. Then there was the, the area where the sacrifices were uh, conducted, then there was the court of the women, and then outside of that there was the court of the Gentiles. And it was in this court of the Gentiles where all this was taking place. And so the money changers and those who sold doves and those who bought and sold. Now can you imagine what it must have looked like? Jesus comes in, and all of this is going on, and he doesn't waste any time. He begins to drive them out. He, he overturns the tables. Commotion. Now that's what Jesus does when he, when he comes into a life. Amen? He turns it inside out. And uh, most of us don't care for that. And notice what he says. Our third point here. My house. Notice... He quotes, he quotes from both the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah, because in Isaiah it says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And then over in Jeremiah's day, but you've made it a den of thieves. You see, it was that that he was against. He's not against business, and he's not against someone making a profit, so long as that profit is an honest profit, a reasonable profit. What he was against was them using God's temple for thievery and for taking advantage of their fellow brothers who were coming to worship God. It's kind of like the guys on TV. Now, not all of the guys who preach on TV and the radio are dishonest. Not all of them. But sadly, many of them are. And they'll be held accountable for that dishonesty. They'd made the house of the Lord a den of thieves. They were cheating the people. A place of commerce. You know, sadly, many people, when they look for a church, they, they, they come to a church with this in mind, this question, what can I get? 
What does this church have to offer me? What does this church have to offer me? And that's, uh, that's what's been peddled across our nation now. I've quoted uh, President John F. Kennedy before, and I'll quote him again. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what can I do for my country? And church is the same way. Not what can I get out of it, what can it give me, but rather what do I have to offer the Lord through his church? What has the Lord given to me that I can give back to him and give back to his church in service to the Lord? And all across our country, you have people with their hands up. And I'm not talking about the people at the freeway exits or in the parking lot at Walmart or some of the other stores. I'm talking about people who actually believe that everybody else owes them something because something was done to their mother or their father or their grandfather or whoever. Or because they're from this particular country and they've come here. Or they belong to a particular ethnic group and, and the rest of you owe me. You owe me. No, we don't owe you anything. But you owe it to yourself to be industrious and to earn your own living. And to be honest about it. What can I get? Not what can I give. The Lord said, my house is to be called a house of prayer. And how beautiful to, to walk in this morning and to both see and hear the group of Christians pray. A beautiful sound. And a beautiful sound. Now over in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 through chapter 3, you have the letters to the seven churches where Jesus evaluates every church. He evaluates all of you. One of the churches, the church that left its first love. Oh, and in another church, they become cold. And eventually you get to the church of Laodicea. Well, you really couldn't tell the difference between the church and the world. And I dare say we have some of that going on in our country today as well. My house shall be called the house of prayer. But let's not overlook the church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, Philadelphia, the church of the open door, the church where the gospel is preached, the church where God's people are praying and God's people are serving and God's people are giving and loving one another. The Lord says, my house is to be a house 
of prayer for all people. Now, sadly, sadly, not everyone was approving of what the Lord Jesus was doing there in the temple. For the temple is a hospital for the blind and the lame. That's what the church really is. The church is a hospital for the hurting. And notice after he, he drives out the money changers and, and those who, who sold doves and other animals, he clears the place out. Those who generally were not allowed in come in. You see, because in that day and age, they would like to hide the lame and the blind. And those with other types of diseases, they, they were unseemly. But now they feel comfortable and they come into the temple and they come to Jesus. And notice, the hurting people approach Jesus and what does he do? He heals them. He embraces them. He accepts them. He loves them and he cares for them. The blind. Now, blindness takes on several different characteristics too. Physical blindness and spiritual blindness. This morning in our Sunday school lesson, and if you're not in Sunday school, you really need to be in Sunday school. There is no good reason for you not being in Sunday school. Now let me repeat that in case you didn't get it the first time. There is no good reason for you not being in Sunday school. In Sunday school we study the person, the ministry, the gift of God the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Now, the Bible teaches that the unbeliever is blind, they're spiritually blind, but the believer is supposed to be seen. We're supposed to have 20-20 vision, spiritually speaking. But how can we if we're not in God's Word? Wisdom. The, what does the Bible teach us about wisdom? The fear of the Lord, the holy reverence and awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. And then what about knowledge? Over in Hosea, the Lord says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. In this day and age in which we live, so many people say they don't know the difference between right and wrong. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. Any person who has been to school and has gone through law school and is being interviewed to be a Supreme Court Justice who cannot tell you the difference between a man and a woman is not qualified to be a Supreme Court Justice. Anyone in their right mind knows the difference between a man and a woman. 
You say, now you're, you're, you're being political. Yeah, that's right. And I make no apology for that. Because if you actually knew your Bible, you would know that all through the Bible, God talks about politicians. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes. I've been, I've been studying that book here the last week. Do you know what it says? It says governments are corrupt. It says the politicians are corrupt. Now certainly not all of them. Every single one of them. Just like the rest of us. We don't like to admit that. Because the Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But those who have come to know Jesus as their Savior, God the Holy Spirit has come into their lives to transform their lives and to give them spiritual insight. Understanding. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, in all thy ways acknowledge him, right? Lead not to your own understanding, but rather, rather lean upon him, acknowledge him. He will guide, he will direct our paths. I, I really appreciated the, the illustration that Mike Barron shared this morning in Sunday school. Uh, Brother Roger asked the question, well, why do we need a guide for our lives? And he said, well, it's kind of like this. If you, were, if you were going to go and climb the Himalayas, you'd be real foolish if you didn't have one of those guides who knew the paths to guide you in the right direction. And God the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us. He guides us through God's holy word, and he will guide us through life. They were blinded. Jesus healed them. But he heals us as well and he gives us spiritual insight. But we have to be in his word. That's a long-winded way of saying you need to be in Sunday school. <laughs> and then the lame. And again, several characteristics or illustrations, metaphors. The lifestyle. <coughs> Jesus heals our lifestyle. The priorities and the habits. Now, the, the house of the Lord was a priority for the Lord. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that his custom was to be in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. <clears throat> Not when he just felt like it. Not when, you know, some company came by and he said, well, I, you know, I don't need to be there. No. He was there every Lord's day. Every Sunday. We are to be consistent in our attendance, wherever we go, wherever. Now the Bible does teach us where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst, yes. <laughs> but the house of the Lord ought to be a priority in our lives. Now there were two groups of people here, as we read. The 
through the priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees, they saw these wonderful things that Jesus did. I mean, he healed the blind, he healed the lame. Wonderful things. And so the children, notice this, the children. And Jesus is quoting a psalm. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have perfected praise. He's, he's quoting Psalm 8. And these little children... They worship Jesus as the Messiah. Hosanna, save us, they're saying. Hosanna to the Son of David. They recognize him as the Messiah. I dare say there are some children who are far wiser in the Lord than some old adults. Two groups of people, those who worship the Lord, the saved worship him. We worship the Lord. It is important for God's people to worship Him. But notice, those who defy or disrespect the Lord, the lost. There are really only two types of people in the world. Just two. The saved and the lost. The question to ask is, which are you? And verse 17 tells us that he left and went his way. You see, Jesus won't force anyone to accept him. You'll recall when we studied the rich young ruler, how the, the rich young ruler, when he heard what Jesus said about selling everything that he had, giving it to the poor, and then coming and following him, he turned around sadly and walked away. And Jesus did not go running after him. Another point in the lesson this morning in Sunday school was that God the Holy Spirit is the one who opens a person's heart. God the Holy Spirit is the only one who can open a person's mind, who can open a person's understanding and make them aware of their need of Jesus as Savior. Oh, but tragically, the decision to accept can be rejected by the individual. Because God will not force you. He will not force you. He will not violate your free will. But if you're here today and you've never received Jesus, today is your opportunity. Notice that these who rejected him were indignant. And that word really means stirred up in anger. And sadly for them, unless they accepted the Lord, when they died, guess where they went? And it's hard for Jewish people to talk about this. It's very difficult for them to talk about it. And you'll recall when Mel Gibson uh, came out with the movie The Passion of the Christ, Oh my goodness, the Jewish people were up in arms because it portrayed them the way that the Bible portrays them. They rejected Christ. But the Bible says, but those who accepted him, he gave the power to become the sons or the children of God. So what do we learn from this passage? 
Houses of worship exist to honor God. We refer to that as our corporate worship, places where we meet as a corporate body together to worship. We don't gather together for the purpose of commercialism. And the church is to be a house of prayer. God's people are to be prayer warriors, amen? And the church is a hospital for hurting people. For hurting people. Someone has said the church is the only army, you know, the, the army of the Lord, the only army that shoots its wounded. Instead of binding up the wounds, instead of healing those who are hurting and ill, oftentimes the church is guilty of putting them to death, of driving them out. And you notice those were the ones that Jesus drove out. He took the lame and the blind, he took the hurting, and he embraced the many, and he healed them. The church is to be a hospital for the hurting. And the sanctuary, now someone has said, you know, a sanctuary, that's where the birds flock. <laughs> but we mean it in a positive sense, a sanctuary, a place of hope and safety. A place where you can be the person God designed you to be. Here's a wonderful truth. There's so many wonderful truths in the scripture. God loves us. He loves us with a perfect love. And did you know that there is nothing that you can do to cause God to love you any more than he already loves you? Stop for a moment and really consider. Nothing you can do that will cause him to love you any more than he already loves you. And there's nothing you can do that will cause him to, to love you less than he already loves you. Because he loves you with a perfect love. And because he loves you with a perfect love, you are free to be the person that he intended for you to be. Not what so-and-so thinks you ought to be, but what God has intended for you to be. And that's very free. You see, we don't gather together to worship God out of guilt. No. If, if guilt is the reason that you come to church, well, I guess that's better than no reason at all. But the best reason is to come out of love for Him and gratitude to Him. Out of a sense of worship. One day, I was having a rough time and I was I was waking up and I was having some turmoil in like a dream state or whatever. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, please help me. And and before I even finished thinking that in my in my mind, it was as though I felt my mother's hand patting me on my head. 
remembering from when I was a, a boy, my mother coming and doing that. Oh, such a peace came over me. Our loving Heavenly Father, God loves you with a love that is beyond description. The sanctuary of hope and safety had today, last point here. God's people are the temple of God, the Holy Spirit. It's not this building or any church building. No, the church is actually the people. We are the temple of God, the Holy Spirit. And if you don't believe me, then read it for yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, says, Know you not that you are the temple of God, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in you? That means that we are to be people of prayer, people of worship, people of service, people who bring good into the lives of other people, people who touch other people with the love of Jesus and make a positive difference. So here's the question. Here's the question. Did you come today with the idea of what you could get <laughs> or with what you could give? And I'm talking about in terms of your heart and your love for the Lord. And how do you live each day? Do you live each day with the thought of what you can get or with what you can give? With the thought of what can so-and-so do for me, or what can I do for so-and-so? So yesterday I went to the library. I had to get a uh, instructional book for the taxes. You know. <laughs> and uh, as I was waiting at the counter, there was this poor little lady in line in front of me, and she was quite bewildered about what forms she needed, and the poor receptionist was doing her best to look everything up on the computer. And as I was standing there, I started to get a little impatient. How long am I going to have to stand here? All I need is the instructional book, but you know, I wanted to just shout out and say, could you just give me the instructional booklet and I'd on my way? But then that, you know, that voice spoke to me and said, be patient. I love her too. Yeah. And she had a bunch of questions that that poor receptionist just couldn't answer. So, she went on her way, and as she turned, I asked the lady for the, for the instructional book, but she gave it to me, and I turned to her, and I then began to converse with her. Before, before we left, we sat down and basically did her taxes. <laughs> and I thought to myself, boy, I wish, I wish those were mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. You know, that's what we call a divine appointment. And she was real thankful. I said, well, the Lord bless you. She said, hallelujah. <laughs> We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The invitation is God's invitation to you. You've come to the Lord's house today. Maybe you need to make a decision. Maybe it's to, to accept Jesus as your Savior. You just do that simply by giving your heart to Him, acknowledging that He died on the cross for you, that you're a sinner and that you need to be forgiven. And guess what? All the rest of us in here are sinners too. Come to Him. You walk down that aisle. You give your heart to Him. Maybe you've been wondering whether or not you should officially join the church. Walk down the aisle and join the church. Maybe you need to follow the Lord in, in believers' baptism. Whatever the case is, you come as we sing. Don't wait until we've sung through the whole song. Come and we begin the first verse. So let's stand, please. And let's sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.